The Water Values Podcast, Session 101. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resource, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGinnis. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my daughter Sarah said, my name is Dave McGimsey and thanks for joining me. Great to have you with us for episode 101. Thanks so much. We've got a fantastic show. We have Jason Wolliger, one of the co-founders of Splashlink, who's going to do just a fantastic job talking about what a, about Splashlink and the the way it really, it's a clearinghouse uh, of information in the water sector. It reduces transaction costs so people can, so market participants can find their match easier and they don't have to spend as much money to do so. Uh, it's just a great idea. And, and you can really hear um, Jason's enthusiasm come through when he's talking. So get ready for a fantastic interview. We also have Bluefield on tap coming up. Uh, we're going to talk smart water with Will Mays of Bluefield Research. Uh, but before we get to those, I just want to say thank you so much to Dina.s for her fantastic five-star iTunes rating and review. Uh, it starts off, she says, uh, insightful, relevant, and informative is the title of it. So thank you, Dina.s. Really appreciate your iTunes rating and review, as well as yours, Xander258. Thanks for a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Uh, and I'm glad that we can help with your water class. Hope, uh, hope this episode helps you with your water class as well. Please feel free. If you've been enjoying the podcast, go on to iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're listening on, and leave a rating and a review uh, it's really important to help others find the fo- find the podcast. So I uh, would greatly appreciate uh, your help in leaving a rating and review. So thank you so much. Uh, the other thing I want to get to uh, real quick before we start is over the last couple of months, uh, if you don't subscribe to the newsletter or visit the website very much, you may not know this, uh, but we've started posting uh, scholarly articles or links to scholarly articles uh, primarily at the University of Arkansas uh, Law Review. They had one on water quality trading. Uh, which was a very interesting uh, piece, as well as the DU School of Law, the Sturm School of Law, excuse me. Uh, we have there, it's a prolific um, uh, blogging group over there, and they've had a number of different articles, whether they're, they're dissecting cases or talking about water theft or hydropower or other water-related issues. Uh, we're just trying to help those those students get the word out about their uh, good work over there at uh, the University of Arkansas, as well as the uh, DU Sturm School of Law. So uh, check out thewatervalues.com. You click on blogs, and that's where you're going to find links to those those articles. And there's guarantee there's one of them that's going to going to interest you at least. Before we get going on our interview with Jason Wolliger, we also have Will Mays of Bluefield Research for. Uh, another Bluefield on tap segment. We're going to talk about smart water, and Will does a fantastic job kind of breaking down the the segments in smart water, talking about what we're talking about when we talk about smart water, and it's just a great all-around interview. So before we get any further, let's hit Will Mays for Bluefield on tap. Here we go. Well, welcome to another session of Bluefield on tap, uh, the segment of the Water Values podcast where we talk about market intelligence and current trends. Uh, normally, we have Reese Tisdale, the president of Bluefield Research, with us, but today we have Will Mays of uh, Bluefield's Barcelona office with us. Uh, welcome to the uh, Bluefield on tap segment, Will. 
Hola, Dave. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, you bet, you bet. Uh, so today we're going to talk about smart water. Uh, I know we've we've kind of addressed this in previous uh, Water Values podcast sessions, and I, I don't know that we have uh, tackled it head on. So ex- exactly, kind of defining what smart water is, and so that's what I'm going to kind of throw to you, Will. What when we talk about smart water, what what are we talking about here? Yeah, sure. So, so when Bluefield, uh, you know, talks about smart water, we really try to define it as a, as a group of emerging technological solutions that are that are helping water managers operate more f- effectively. Um, essentially, you know, it's it's a wide ranging niche, um, and it and it and it applies across utility operating silos. Um, but essentially, you know, smart water solutions—they're harnessing state-of-the-art hardware. Um, state-of-the-art software solutions, and they, you know, they're providing increasing levels of system intelligence, visibility, automation control, and of course, customer service. Okay, and and so when we're talking about kind of everything that it encompasses, is it does the definition matter? I mean, is it important that we're categorizing it in a certain way? Are there are there certain factors that that are that are impacting it that, that requires us to define it in that way or, or um i guess not really no i guess our, our approach is you know we talk to a lot of clients across the space you know from from epcs all the way through to to utility operators and and where we think it's helpful to try to offer a definition to the market is 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 in the differing opinions of smart water and you know it's uh you know everybody knows the water sector is 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 a slow moving sector and um you know, there's there's varying opinions on you know is smart water a big deal or what is smart water or you know it, it, are these technologies that are that are really making an impact for for the day-to-day operations. So we just try to define it as such, and then also you know our, our report um, you know jumps into the topic and, and and broadens out that definition and describes how we we really see you know um, utilities taking a journey of making their their um, their network smarter, so it's it's not necessarily applied to a to a data and analytics solution um, or, or or such. It's it's more of a holistic approach um, in general. So got it. And so so what are the main drivers that are that are having our utilities move towards smart water? Yeah. So in the, in the U.S. market, it's it's I think it's really interesting. Um, of course, there's this there's this higher higher um, requirement for utilities to 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 modernize to to address a more digital environment um, I think that's a lot uh, it's driven a lot from consumer expectation as well so you know utilities are are able to engage with consumers um, and really turning you know connections into consumers or into customers and um, you know you're seeing that with with the ways that utilities are trying to address apparent loss um, to try to to increase and increase revenues, uh, of course, um, without getting into too many specifics um, before we, we, we need to. Um, other drivers would be water scarcity, for example. Um, early examples of, of Georgia and, and California becoming uh, becoming leaders in, in certain smart water technologies, I would say, have really been driven by um, by the you know the acute water uh, scarcity uh, events um, in, in both uh, both states. Um, in in both both instances, this has led to you know water auditing becoming um, legislated by the state governments. So in California, um, Bill 555 was passed last summer. And we're really seeing these two states, um, you know, along with Texas, uh, Hawaii passed a bill last year, um, moving towards, um, you know, legislated um, legislation, I, I guess, addressing real losses. Um, and then, of course, you know, water scarcity also has impact on the volume-based, um, you know, revenue models of utilities. 
Um, so, you know, as, as utility revenues are falling, um, they, 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 they still have to address, of course, you know, operational um, constraints and also, um, you know, replacing aging assets across the board. Um, so what we're seeing really is, is, is a requirement for utilities to become more financially and operationally efficient. And I think that's, you know, why they're looking to the market um, for, for smart water solutions that, that, that allow them to do so. Right. And so when you're talking about like apparent losses and things of, of that nature, how the smart water system, that's really, it's, you know, um, it's non-revenue water. And w- when you kind of just take a step back and look at the key segments for smart water, what are, what, what are we going to be looking at here? So, uh, yeah, I, I, I dived into uh, automated, uh, sorry, AMI there, uh, so smart metering, essentially. Um, that's one of the biggest components that we're, that we're tracking and, and looking for, for growth in the, over the next 10 years. Uh, we're forecasting out about $17 billion of investment um, in the next 10 years, and that's really driven by, you know, continued, um, continued, continued deployments of, of, of AMI metering, um, a decrease in, in AMR metering, um, and that's really just driven by utilities that are looking for, you know, more connectivity and, 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 and increased data. Um, other components, I think, you know, condition assessment and pipeline monitoring. This is a really interesting um, niche. You know, there, I think in the U.S. Um, landscape, there's, 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 there's maybe two, two sides of the coin in terms of how to deal with aging infrastructure. And, and a lot of pipe manufacturers will argue that, you know, replacement is the way to go. Um, but but other, other companies are arguing that, you know, just blind replacement of pipes is an inefficient way of using capital expenditures. And, and I think more and more we're going to see um, increased, um, increased um, allotment into condition assessment of pipes. So basically adding asset intelligence into the way that utilities will be, will be dealing with their capital expenditures. Um, companies such as Ecologics, you know, Pure Technologies, they're securing contracts to, to dive into, you know, the, the true assessment of, of pipe conditions. And then, and then uh, you know, it, this leads to, you know, improved asset management plans, I suppose. And we're forecasting this market to grow as well. Um, I think leakage would be another market um, to identify. Um, so, so dealing basically with, with leak detection, but in, in smarter ways. Uh, in the States, um, you know, satellite leak detection um, coming out of uh, Israel, there's a company called Utilis that has secured uh, numerous um, pilots across the States. And, and we're really seeing, you know, this, uh, you know, product potentially disrupting or at least, you know, adding an efficient, uh, I guess, an additional toolbox to how utilities uh, go about leak detection. Got it. Well, you know, Will, you've been absolutely fantastic coming on and doing this Bluefield on Tap segment. Great job on your first one. And uh, I hope to have you back on soon. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me, Dave. You betcha. See you, Will. Well, that was a great discussion by Will. Uh, Really appreciate his time. Thanks so much, Will, for coming on and doing a great job, especially on your first time on. Um, Now we get to the interview with Jason Williger, who, again, as I said at the top of the show, is a fantastic interview. You're going to learn a tremendous amount. And also, Jason has a great offer. If you're a utility, Jason has a fantastic offer for you to get a free year-long subscription to Splashlink so you can start making connections within the water industry. So without further ado... Let's get on with it. Fasten your seatbelts, open the valves, and here we go. Well, Jason, welcome to the Water Values Podcast. So great to have you on today. I appreciate you taking some time out to speak with us. Uh, For starters, how about uh, letting us know a little about your background and how you got interested in water? Absolutely. First, thanks for 
big fan of the podcast. Actually, a good number of us here at Splashlink are. It was first brought to our attention uh, by uh, uh, someone who works here who's been a fan of yours for a while, and now the whole team uh, looks forward to uh, uh, the releases. Um, but as far as me, uh, I came to this. I'm the co-founder and vice president of Splashlink, uh, Splashlink.com. And I came to this originally from the government space. Uh, that's, where I, that's where I had worked before I came here and got uh, to know about the challenges that are faced by players in government uh, to solve the problems that are most pressing for their communities. Um, and then I met a very smart woman by the name of E.B. Holtz who had really taken a look at the water industry and the struggles more generally than that and uh, designed a solution. And that solution is, uh, is splashlink.com. Okay. And so um, uh, let, let's talk a little about what splashlink.com is. Sure. So splashlink in its simplest form is uh, an online platform for the water industry to do business. Uh, and what that means is that really anything that you might need within the water space you can find with us. If you're a community that needs funding, we have it. If you're a solution provider that is looking to employ your technology uh, amongst new customers or in new markets, you can access the information you need to do that and the projects that are available for you through, uh, through us. If you just wanna find out what, what uh, trade shows you ought to attend, uh, you can use our database to zero in on what might be the best uh, for what you're looking for uh, all year long. Uh, and then if you need data about the water industry, the projects that are happening, uh, the available funding, the intersection of those two things, uh, down to the region, down to uh, really however far down you want to drill and as broadly as you want it, uh, Splashlink provides the ability to get us all of that information. Okay, and so uh, it's, it sounds like you're reducing transaction costs for um, market industry players to, to, to get together and find each other. Is, is that... Got it. Now, so uh, uh, th this is this is very interesting because uh, you know I've I've said for years now that that the water industry is so fragmented. We need more consolidation. We need more things to to make the markets work more efficiently. And this sounds like one of those things that can help markets work more efficiently to get capital in the right places and 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 connect industry players. Now, uh, uh, let's talk about the actual an actual utility that would want. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, problem recognition, how does how does Splashlink help in that problem recognition phase? So sure. So let's say uh, I'll give you an example from one of our subscribers. They were dealing with what could be thought of as a, a clarity uh, standards issue uh, that a lot of communities face, uh, really no matter where you live. And that and that 
today the issue of uh, cohabitation. There are communities that deserve uh, maybe places that they shouldn't have been uh, based on the floodplain, uh, but that's already existed. That was that problem was already in the ground. <laughs> Houses there, foundations were in the grave, and dealing with uh, whenever there was rain, angry angry citizens once again wallowing in the dark splashes. Uh, and and so foundationally, that is a storm water issue. Um, and and so where we help a community that is you know small to mid size dealing with a problem like that that maybe has no clue where they're going to find the budget to deal with that problem. But even if they had the budget, you know, if it's problem recognition stage, uh, understanding what a possible solution might be, um, they can come to our leadership. They can search through, an area I haven't even touched on, but that we refer to as our directory of expertise. And what that enables them to do is really type in their problem statement and return a list of possible providers who work in that area. Uh, now, once they do that, they can call those folks up and start to and start to really sort of uh, 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 try to consult with them on their issues and get some suggestions in terms of how they might solve the problem. Uh, and and the players at Weatherland, by the way, are thrilled uh, with them, even though at this stage of the game they're not really being compensated. Uh, but they're happy to talk with them because they're hoping that eventually you know their product or their services are sucked into the work. Uh, and that there's a gap for them to gain on the other side of this conversation. Uh, so once we have a chance as that community to consult with those players, uh, we now have some idea of where to go, where to turn uh, to solve the problem. But now, okay, you have an idea, but you don't have the budget, so what are you going to do? Uh, it's great to have these experts who are telling you how to solve the problem, but none of the money's paid for, uh, and it's all irrelevant. So with Jackals, again, we use uh, our resource to hunt down, at this point, over $10 billion of funding to flow through our fund. And uh, it's, it's all kinds of interesting uh, types of funds. There are, of course, there's the government funding. We consider that baseline. But what we, are, what we are putting a spotlight on more than ever this year are the atypical sources of funding. And we're doing that because the government funding is, is less and less certain in the present budgetary environment. So we're trying to highlight for people that there's other places you can go. One example being nonprofits as a foundation. Uh, as water's in the news more and more, uh, issues around contamination, broken yards, uh, uh, algae, you name it, more folks with the resources to do good are focusing their attention on the water problem. So again, you're turning to these local nostalgists, water basements, we're seeing these stormwater issues. So uh, rain's coming down, it's surfaces, it's kicking up oil and salt and contamination that's quite possibly flowing through that basin and kicking up whatever contaminants uh, exist down there, and then heading towards a watershed of one kind or another. Well, that is how you use lots of money out there to touch watersheds generally, and then depending on where you live, uh, Chesapeake Bay, Great Lakes, uh, if it's a protected watershed of some kind or another, then you're even more likely to find one of these alternative sources of funding as opposed to solve the problem. Uh, so now you've consulted with the experts, uh, you have the money in hand, next thing you want to do now is of course put out that RFP. Uh, and you can do what you've always done, uh, which is to put it out through your typical channels, maybe the local paper, maybe bring it to the website, uh, maybe even a resource from the state. Uh, but now with Jackals, you can also put it out through us, and you're going to have eyes on that problem and eyes on that project that never, ever uh, saw it before. 
And because of that, you're going to get responses that we that we have not typically received from players that maybe you're not familiar with yet, but are going to respond to this very unique question uh, to learn more about how to interpret the Europa app. So you're going to increase your options uh, to the workflow. You're going to increase the portals through which information is flowing and hopefully finding the right solution uh, for you. Maybe from the players you've already worked with, or maybe from that guy across the country uh, who has exactly what you need. Uh, this is really exciting to me because you started this pattern flooditation, and that's what mentioned the framework that the people in charge of that area. Uh, but if you think about it creatively, if you think about it in terms of storm water, in terms of, in terms of non-point source uh, pollution, uh, and in terms of things that vendors are interested in helping solve, not only do you solve the problem, but you satisfy your constituency at the same time. And, and we're really proud of being able to enable that process to move forward. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds great. Um, I am kind of curious about how you do bridge that funding gap, because if the funding's not there, the funding's not there. And so, so getting this creative funding, uh, what, what does that look like? Because, you know, is, is this some sort of P3 arrangement that's going to be coming in? Uh, and so you're, you're going to be able to spread the cost more over time or how, how does that funding mechanism work? How do you, how do you solve that problem? Stop a leak, stop a, a 
water flow less and uh, that causes a type of congregation. Um, but what they found is that, again, as a customer and even as a service user who wanted those services, didn't have the money to do it. So what did they do? They partnered with a commercial entity uh, that built, that was at the site and was specifically for this vendor's benefit. And then that will continue to happen in Illinois as well. And of course, the benefit to the, to the community or the utility is they can solve the problem today. So they don't have to worry about uh, catastrophic failures or when are they trying to make do with what they have. And they can pay for it in today's dollars. Uh, so they don't have to worry about uh, what inflation is going to do uh, as to the price of the solution. Um, there's, 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 of course, uh, Q3, as you mentioned. There's also folks doing creative things beyond Q3 um, to be able to make connections between private investors who would like to contribute to the solution, but also make a, make a, a small uh, continuing, or gain a small continuing income stream. Uh, so there's an entity working on that uh, at present called Water Thunder LLC. So these are all examples of different ways people are solving the problem, and more and more it seems like our community is thinking about using computers because it's really broken day in and day out for our community, municipalities, utilities. Uh, we don't have time, at least not in my experience, uh, we don't have a lot of extra time uh, to be able to be keeping track of where this new opportunity is springing up, who's recognized the problem, who's got a new green solution, uh, who's offering resources. So just as easy as delivering. Uh, we have, uh, not only do we allow you to search our database, but we have a light speaking set up on the site so that if you know that kind of something you need, you call our system and our system shoots you an email as soon as something new in that space springs up. Uh, oh. so we, re we really try to help out in that way as well. Uh, Rick, that yeah, that alert system is a fantastic uh, idea. I, th I really, I really like that. You said a couple of things in there, though, that I, I, I want to get back to, and I'm glad you mentioned the kind of the charitable foundations and things like that, and the not for profits, because you know when you initially said that, I checked a box in my mind that I need to follow up on that. And so, are you is what you're saying that kind of this is uh, those foundations use Splash Link to get information out about grants that may be available um, for for water projects. Is that kind of what that's Aiming at? So that's another, that's another really terrific question. So uh, one of our uh, grant writing programs is not covered with the academic record. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind at all. You know, frankly, I'd rather have you do the talking than me, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm good at that. <laughs> Of course, if they're profitable, they're the one offering the job or the money. 
that make it that much harder for someone working in the state to, to you know get to plow through the things they need to work through. So I think uh, fill your fist, uh, kick it in the can a lot of snow melt, make it easy to get these districts. We're all about saving these jobs. We're all about doing good work. Uh, and then you can scan through the list of possible constituents. Are there possible projects that you could work on if you're a vendor or possible uh, funding opportunities that you are in need of additional resources to get work done as that community moves farther and further? You can scan through all of these and get information on the vendor side, like like qualification uh, requirements, uh, if there's any uh, business requirements or, or uh, uh, requirements to be something like a veteran-owned business or a woman-owned business or a minority-owned business. If there is a preference, what does this look like? Is it a set aside or is it a, a point on the bid? Uh, things of that sort. Uh, and then one other thing, popular elements with contractors and officials. Uh, because the project in front of you it may have been written in a way that isn't smoothly, uh, that was really valuable in an industry, especially our, our industry. Uh, it really still relates to jobs. So it's important to get to know the players that are in your decision making. We provide you that. We give you a name, phone number, email address. Uh, that, that's our standard. That's what we try to make our provider in every single case. And so that way, certainly you can reach out for questions on the contract question if you have them, but you can build your own. Uh, and I don't think that there's any place to go if you're not willing to, to go above and what you've been able to build here. Um, on the funding side, again, you might want to know all that earlier, but right out of the gate, uh, you don't necessarily want to <laughs> be digging through uh, uh, an application or, uh, or a package side of the program and find out a couple hours in, oh, we're not even we're not even going to look at this one, especially because you're in those eligibility requirements to give you clues on how to get eligible. So, for example, what I mean by that is, uh, let's say you're a particular applicant and you need the fund in the state buffer to get you right on target in terms of what your issue is, what you're looking to solve, but they list it in their eligibility requirements that, hey, the money can only be given to a 501c3. Well, if you're a city, you're not a 501c3, so you might think, oh, I guess I can't get involved. But that's really way in front that don't just move on. Think about who in your community you might partner with. Uh, there are often land conservancy uh, or, or other types of entities, local entities, uh, or even national entities that would be thrilled to help improve, again, watersheds or, or uh, uh, you know, local environments uh, by partnering with the city to actually get the work done. So, in other words, when you see these applicants, don't think of it as a time to give up. Just think of it as a time to get creative, and who else might be able to draw on you Right. Now, um, I really like the partnering because uh, that, I think, uh, helps, you know, it helps, again, break down those uh, those those uh, barriers to getting uh, deals done, those transaction costs. Um, one of the other boxes that, that you checked in my mind when we were talking earlier was low-income assistance uh, because that, I, I mean, I just see that as a bigger and bigger issue for utilities, uh, you know where where I am, uh, our commission has has struck down a couple of uh, low income assistance rates uh, because there's not explicit statutory authority for it. And and if you have a you know a, a, essentially a you're you're carving off a group of similarly situated you know customers, then that becomes a discriminatory rate. And so there's there actually was legislation that went through allowing. Uh, 
what I'll just call lifeline rates or special rates for uh, low income folks. What what kind of funding does that does that look like? I mean, if if someone has a low income need for their utility, because as you know, as 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 I'm sure you're aware, uh, as the as utilities uh, implement infrastructure projects and things like that, there's there's natural rate pressure upward, and that hits various economic classes of the customer base differently. And so how, how could someone that, how could a utility that wants to use Splashlink to, for a low-income assistance program use Splashlink? How are you expanding for free? 
foundation grant. Uh, the EPA will have its budget slash goals for this program. Community development, the I grant, the Lilo Laundry gift, uh, the Baylor Recreation Link gift, uh, Navy's Hudson over $300 million a year, and more. So we see really dramatic things that, that may happen, uh, may not. The budget's not going to change the layout, but that, that's been implemented proposal in this bill. And so we said, well, how can we help right now? How can we help people deal with the uncertainty that's out there? So uh, we said that we're going to uh, provide uh, free subscriptions uh, to a large number of TV stations. Now, the number that we were able to settle on was 1,000. Uh, so the first 1,000 TVs and 1,000 facilities are going to use up uh, the access funding. Uh, we'll be given a one-year subscription at absolutely no cost. Uh, all they have to do is come to the site, create a free account, uh, which is a poster account. Uh, you'll see that on their pricing page if you click right through. And then our team will reach out and activate uh, your upgraded package to give you funding access as well. Uh, so uh, we, we did begin this a short time ago. Some have already been taken, uh, but there are a number still left. Uh, so uh, hopefully in preparing this, you know that the community members you're able to actually help uh, sign up for, uh, for You're Not the Right Guy uh, or, or You're Not the Right Woman. Uh, then you sign one year and, and have that signed. And, and I'm happy to give my contact information as well if people want to reach out to me directly. Always happy to help wherever I can. Yeah, you, you, I typically ask for that at the, uh, at the end of the programs, as you know. But if you want to, if you want to go ahead and, and uh, provide that, please do so. And and for those of you who are you know driving or you know working out while you're listening, we'll put all that information on the show notes, uh, which you can find at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod one oh one. So so you know, Jason, kind of back to the the discussion topics we we're having. How about uh, how about we talk about the geographic scope? Is this just United States? Is it North America? What all? Where does it apply? Again, not wasting time by showing you things that are in relevant 
So uh, you mentioned strategic partners in there, you'd, and and earlier you'd mentioned that you hope you, you're able to get to them. Can you tell us a little about your strategic partners and how those uh, can benefit people who have subscriptions with Splashlink? Terrific. Now, Jason, you've been great. I've, I've learned a lot and you've, I thought you did a really good job explaining kind of, you know, walking us through some examples of how someone might use Splashlink. Uh, for people who'd like to find out more about Splashlink, you've already provided your personal contact information, but, but where can people go to get additional information if they don't feel comfortable contacting you directly? All right, terrific. Now I should have asked this earlier, but can I, can you give us a general idea of what what the pricing is for for using Splashlink to become a subscriber? Yeah. So again, just to remind everybody, if you're a community municipality or utility, right now that price is zero dollars. Uh, come to the site, click on what we call the poster account. That's in the, that's under the pricing tab, uh, and our team will reach out to upgrade the account uh, at no charge. Typically. Uh, it starts at $429 for an entire year for a single user. 
at five users though, uh, scales really well. You're still under $1,000, that's $949 uh, for the year for five users. And you can get up to 1,500 users once you get there, uh, you're at, uh, I'm sorry, you can get up to 15 users once you get there, Terrific. Well, Jason, thank you again. You've been fantastic. Really uh, appreciate you taking some time out to speak with us today. Thank you. Really appreciate the invitation, and uh, uh, we'll come back anytime. You bet. All right. Bye, Jason. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jason Wolliger. Again, he was fantastic. I uh, really, really appreciated his time, and I appreciated his enthusiasm because he was uh, fantastic. And the fact that he was able to just you know, use splash like while we were on the interview during the interview and pull up that information about the, uh, the low income assistance fund in Iowa. I just found that that that's, if that alone demonstrates the power of splash link and what a great tool it can be. So if you're a utility and you don't have your free splash link membership yet, get over to splashlink.com and register and get that free membership. So you, you can start making your connections within the water industry and start start breaking down and start avoiding some of those transaction costs and get your problems solved. Well, you can check out the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com forward slash pod 101. Leave a comment on those show notes, or you can email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993. And you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And please, again, as I said at the top of the show, do me a favor if you've been enjoying the show, Go over to iTunes, go over to Stitcher, whatever you're listening on, leave a rating and review. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can also, as I mentioned earlier, sign up for the Water Values newsletter. Uh, you can do that at thewatervalues.com. Just, you know, it's, it's real simple. Just plug your name in there, plug your email in, and uh, you'll get one email, or two, essentially you'll get two emails a month, one each day that the podcast is released. It's not, we're not going to spam you. We don't sell your email it's just a way for us to, to stay in contact, make sure that you know when new content's coming out. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning in to the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Indiana and Colorado, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. Information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.